Hello and welcome to the MDC Talks. We are the Motion Dance Collective, a screen dance production company specializing in the creation, presentation, and education of dance on film practice. This is Anna. We have James Williams with us today. We've also got Omari Motion Carter. And our guest on today's episode is Nicola Hepp. Born in Sweden and currently based in the Netherlands, Nicola is an award-winning director and choreographer with an extensive background in dance. So grateful to have you with us today, Nicola. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, we love to ask this question first for anyone that comes on the podcast. Mm. Uh, what does the term screen dance mean to you? Um, well, I know that it's been a kind of often discussed term. Um, for me, I think it's all about if the choreography is created specifically for the screen, mm. uh, taking into account uh, the specific traits of the medium, well, then for me, that, that's a screen dance. Yeah. Amazing. And do you use that term yourself when you describe your work? I know some people might say dance film and video dance. Um, do you do you actually use the term screen dance when you describe the work that you do? Yeah, I I um, I'm in between screen dance and dance film sometimes. Sometimes mm -hmm. I feel that some of my work fits better to uh, to the term dance film, and sometimes it fits better to the term screen dance. Also because if you say dance film, then somehow you're implying a little bit more, in my opinion at least, that it's telling more of a story in a traditional sense. Um, dance doesn't necessarily have to in a way well it's also again a personal feeling about it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, um, and it also depends on who I'm talking to a little bit yeah absolutely um, great so what initially drew you to making dance film um, well I've been really interested in film in general uh, ever since I can remember and dance uh, was always part of my life. Uh, I trained as a dancer um, and well to be honest when I was making dance work I always kind of the initial uh, starting point for me to make work was always that I kind of saw it in front of me so I always had this image of oh I want to make this and oh, I have an idea and then I saw this idea in front of yeah. me. So uh, when I started to uh, to make work which included video, then it was very kind of organic that it just fell into place. And at a certain point, I just felt like, oh, wow, this is really where all my interests and skills kind of come together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was a very organic process in that uh, in that way. Amazing. So um, that kind of answers my next question. But... <laughs> Before, I know you did your master's in choreography and new media, new media with a focus on film. Um, so I was just wondering before that, what role, obviously you said you trained in dance and you've always been intrigued by film. So was that really your chance to hone um, all of the interest in your life into one? Yeah, it, in a way it was. Um, I, like I said, I was really trained as a dancer and uh, initially I... I thought to uh, to pursue a career in dance. Yeah. Um, and uh, as as my education went on, I uh, I really felt that that I wanted also to make and to create my own work, and that started actually quite early on. Okay. So um, that was kind of a drive that was that was there inherently. And what what I uh, what I felt at a certain point was that. Uh, I wanted to combine dance with uh, images on a screen, like not necessarily uh, just as a background, but also really taking part in the dance. So it was like a two-way street in a way. The dancers were reacting to what was happening on the screen. And yeah, there could also even be interaction. Some of my work has been interaction with the timing that was the video images. Yeah. So uh, that was something that I could really explore during my master's. So Nicola, was sorry to interrupt. Was that about was that live performance then with screen integrated? Yes. Oh, okay. Performance work that I started doing um, what, well, back in two thousand two, I think. Okay. Uh, so it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, when I went to do my masters in two thousand four, uh, that's something that I really concentrated on: live work with video, uh, somehow integrated into the piece and whether that was on a monitor or on a large screen 
uh, or in a kind of installation setting where the audience could walk around and there would be dance and uh, something to view on a screen. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that was what I was kind of investigating during those uh, two years. Wonderful. Um, one of the themes that you seem to circle back to a lot in your work is the concept of aging, aging and loneliness. Yeah. And I was just wondering what inspired you to tell these kinds of stories? Well, um, I think loneliness is something that is really part of us, uh, of our humanity in a way that it's, you want to, as, as human beings, we want to be understood. We want to connect to other people. Mm. And for me, inherently, there's something about that that is also impossible in a way. There's, uh, you know, you, n nobody can ever really look into your head and to really know what you've been through and how you think. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's something a little bit sad about that. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. um, and also, uh, well, it, it interests me. So that's something that I've always kind of been drawn to, whether that was in, in literature or in film or in life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that theme kind of came around really naturally in that sense. And uh, aging, I've been thinking about a lot. And I think that that actually really connects to uh, the relationship I have with my father. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, was my dance teacher to start off with. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he was... A little bit of an older father, so to speak, he, in that time. I mean, we're looking at going back to the 70s. So when, when you were 44 and had your child, then you were kind of seen as an old dad because all the right. other dads were like around 30. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always kind of knew uh, my dad is a bit older, but he uh, was always seen as somebody very young. So people always kind of estimated his age at, at least 20 years younger. Right. And he was always very happy about that. So that was, <laughs> the whole thing was like, oh, somebody came up to me today and said, oh, wow, how old are you? And they thought I was 35 when he was then 58, you know? Right. <laughs> this was something that um, was kind of very present in um, growing up, was just his age. <laughs> yeah. Very present. Um, and he really has big troubles uh, dealing with that. It's a real struggle for him. As an ex-dancer, uh, as a person who kind of stayed in time, I think around the age of 13, really, mm. uh, he finds it very, very difficult to accept the fact that he's getting old. He is old. I mean, he just turned, <laughs> he just turned 88. So Wow, 88. And he's still dancing, right? Yeah, I mean, he was actually in a performance uh, just last uh, November in Sweden, part of a performance. That's incredible. I mean, I think I speak for all of us dancers when I say our dream is to be able to dance into our old age. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think that's great. It's wonderful. But um, yeah, for him, it's a really difficult process to, to yeah. get older and for me personally, um, the interesting thing about it is that I was always the youngest everywhere. And at a certain, I was the youngest in school. I was the youngest in my dance class. Um, and at a certain point when I, well, kind of around the time when I turned 30, I think, I was like, oh, wow, I'm not the youngest anymore. That's <laughs> You know, and I could actually really kind of rest in the fact that, oh, wow, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm me and the age that I am and the experience that I have. And that makes me who I am. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of really uh, also brought up this issue again for me. That mm -hmm. age is, is such a big part of, of who we are and how we deal with it also. Yeah. It's so funny that because I was speaking to my students the other day about the responsibility of film and how back in the day with the paintings, you know, um, kings and queens would paint themselves at 21 and then that painting would forever remain Represent. their image 
even after they had long gone. And so now that we have this digital format to do that, it's like we kind of, we're, we're, we're capturing the youth of the time, you know? We're capturing a moment in time forever that will be forever present, right? Mm. In some way. So then there's such a responsibility there now when we pick up a camera and press record. And, and I think that the work, because your dad features in quite a, a few pieces of your work, and especially Echo, mm. is just where that responsibility is so present and so well done mm. that it's a moment that, like, it's one of those films that you want to download and have that DVD at home. <laughs> like, and it's only one minute, but I'd buy that DVD and just put it on my shelf just to say I had it like a vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, we, we love that film especially. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's great. I just, I just wondered if you could talk us a little bit through the process of, of creating that with your dad. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, that was interesting, actually, because, um, well, like I said, during my master's, I've been working with my father for the first time, actually. Uh, so there was a moment where where I decided, hey, actually it would be great to put my father in the dancer's role to kind of change the uh, the relationship between us because I'd been dancing in his pieces and now oh, I was right. doing a, a master's in choreography and I felt like, hey, actually I want to work with my dad and right. I, you know, so um, then I uh, worked with him for an installation pro. Uh, project where it was basically um well i'll just tell that very briefly because that yeah. has relation to echo in a way mm -hmm. um, it had a screen in the middle of the space and my father was standing on one side of the screen and there was a younger dancer who happened to be exactly 50 years uh -huh. younger and wow. so the piece is called 2373 because that was the ages of the dancers at that mm -hmm. time and you as an audience, you had to kind of choose if you were watching my father with the video on the screen behind him, or if you walked around to the other side to look at Aymar, the other dancer, uh, to see him, the young dancer, with what was happening on the screen. Or you could look from the side and then you wouldn't see the screen at all, but you would see the two dancers. Interesting, okay. Um, and on the screen, the dancers were together. So it was um, my father and Aymar, uh, one after another. Right. So, um, and I worked with them on that piece and it was, I was very happy with it. And I actually thought it was one my graduation piece. And then I thought, hmm, afterwards, maybe I'll uh, try to see if I can tour with this a little bit and we could go around and uh, show this performance. But then it coincided with me having uh, my second child Mm -hmm. um, and after that, uh, I was just kind of very, very busy with family life with two kids. Yeah. Um, and then my father got older. So two, three years later, I realized like, oh, wow, actually, um, we can't do this piece anymore because he, it, it will be too much for him. It was kind of a lot of things going down to the floor. And also he lives in Sweden. So, you know, to have him travel to all kinds of places. I didn't really see that happening. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, that's that's a real shame. I was a bit um, sad about the fact that I hadn't kind of picked that idea up to do something more with it. And then in the, around that time, I saw an open call from 60 Seconds Dance, which is this website that yeah. um, have an open call for 60 Second film, Dance Films. Um, and as soon as I saw the call, I had this kind of image in my mind of my father circling around and looking at himself in the mirror and seeing himself as a young boy. I was like, oh, wow, it's a film. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, and if I make a film, I mean, I knew that I could, uh, that he, that my father would be able to rehearse with me and to uh, be on a shoot. I mean, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, let's make a film. And, uh, that's then what we proceeded to do. So, um, I was, uh, well, working a bit on the concept first, thinking a bit more about it, what I wanted. And I was, uh, talking to 
some people from uh, post office in Amsterdam for some VFX because even if you don't see it, there's actually a whole lot of VFX in this film. Oh. Uh, because it's filmed uh, in a dark space where there's a large mirror. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a vacuum, but obviously the camera woman, she's circling around my father. And every time that you see uh, the image of my father in the mirror, mm. uh, her image was also there, of course, because she's filming around. So uh, she had to be kind of uh, brushed away um, mm cleaned out of the image, frame by frame. Mm. Um, super fun job. Yeah. <laughs> super, super fun job. Super fun job, yeah. <laughs> frame, frame. <laughs> really kind of diligent work. <clears throat> um, and, uh, and then we also filmed the little boy. We filmed him in front of a green screen so that we could kind of uh, paste oh. the mirror. Wow. Um, and so that's kind of the only edit point actually oh, it's not really an edit point but that's what happens you we pasted him into the mirror because the rest of the film is is just a one shot uh, it's one take really so right. we were practicing about trying to get the timing right for it to act to be exactly 60 seconds and uh to be honest that was i think the smallest challenge because both really? my father, yeah, both my father and this camera woman, they had such a good sense of timing that literally each take came out like fifty-seven seconds, one minute, wow. fifty-nine. You know, it was like, I, yeah. However many takes we took, they were just around one minute. So it was really wow. done by both of them. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we love Echo. That was the first film of yours that we ever encountered. Yeah. Um, and so when we met you in Amsterdam at Cinedans, we were so excited <laughs> because we got to meet the maker of Echo. Um, and and it means, I mean, it means a lot to us. We've watched it, obviously, a, a lot of times, as I'm students. sure most people have, which is one of the joys of one minute films. Yeah. But um, I would love it if you could talk to us a bit about when you're making these 60 second dance films, I know you've made quite a lot of them. Yeah. What elements or choices help you to tell the story in such a short space of time? Because yeah. that is such a huge challenge. I know it's something that we have sort of tried to dissect um, many times before, but you do it so well. And every 60 second film of yours that I've seen is so succinct and they're such a strong story um, so I would just love it if you could, you know, give us some gold about <laughs> that, that sort of making process and what for you is the most significant part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I'm thinking a little bit about it. It's, it's of course. Because I, to be honest, I, um, I find that this kind of one minute format is really, it, it fits me really well. I, I, um, um, yeah, the kind of scope of one minute mm -hmm. when I'm sitting down to edit something, then it kind of feels like, oh, and we're getting up to, <laughs> you know, and there's the one minute mark, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but I think the most important thing when I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to make a film and it has to be one minute is to really kind of limit yourself in terms of choices that there's, there's just not, I mean, at least for me, when I make my films, I think in general, I'm kind of minimalistic in that sense that I prefer to kind of have less, mm -hmm. uh, not go off to five locations, for example, but to keep it to one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, be, be a bit strict with yourself. Like, okay, this is the idea. Uh, like for example, with Echo, I mean, it was clear that it was that kind of looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing yourself at the age as how you see yourself, mm. uh, whether or not you're uh, 50 or 80 or 20, but um, seeing yourself at that age, kind of, that was the kind of theme, but the idea for the film really also had to do with, okay, I'm gonna make a one-shot movie and it's all about turning, all about going around 
the character. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, the also a very important part of the form in a way, is that important. Or when I made uh, the double, um, it was also about one place and it was about these two characters who met and uh, were very similar and kind of you weren't sure is he really meeting somebody else or is it himself or right is this so it's like kind of one small thing that i that i want to say or that i want to um i want the viewers to kind of perceive or feel an emotion even it's it's not always really a story i think yeah. but but it is in a way but you know mm. yeah it's a ju- it's a journey at the very least yeah yeah Hmm. but i try to kind of limit the choices in a way to be really strict like okay this it's it's just one minute so be clear and you know be concise don't for for me at least i don't want to go off in too many different directions but i want to kind of keep it contained to what is it that i really want to say i think i think um this why what i really liked about echo was um the fact that it was so limited to that single shot there was almost no space in it for um for distraction and it it wasn't you didn't allow the viewer to lift out of the the concept there was kind of a purity to exactly what the idea was and it was um it was not necessarily to me told through dance which Mm -hmm. which i think was really refreshing for me like coming i mean i was a dancer um but now heavily focusing on camera and and film um the the idea that it was designed to be told specifically by a camera Mm -hmm. um was really really refreshing to see a choreographer approach film in that way and display choreography in that way where actually the choreography was um was a, a subtext to the concept and the film told the concept really beautifully um yeah that that it was really interesting and, and really refreshing to see a dance work that was carried by the concept um and had the the dance sort of play as a subtext to that concept and i think that really helps get something across in such a small amount of time because we aren't distracted by the movement almost it, it really came down to what is the idea and the idea is told so beautifully in that film mm, thank you thank you yeah i think that, yeah you're right I, I mean that's what i also try to really do when i especially when when you make one minute films that you you want to just kind of pinpoint that one thing in a way like what's what's the what's the crucial thing about this that i want to say and yeah then you don't necessarily need more than one minute. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Amazing. So um, we know that you frequently collaborate with your dad a lot and you've spoken a little bit about that, but I would love you to talk a bit more about um, how that collaboration has blossomed because I think it's so special and so unique. Um, And if if it has impacted your work at all or the way in which you work, because you said a little bit, you know, you wanted to have your dad in some of your work because it was vice versa as you were growing up. But um, could you talk a little bit more about what that working relationship is like and and, and how it's evolved over time? Uh, yeah, um, I think, well, you know, I've worked with him now in, that, in the installation that I talked about, the 2373 piece, and in Echo and in Songs of the Underworld. And also there was there's another one minute film that I kind of uh, made a recycling material that was from the installation uh, originally. So, but that was in a separate process. Um, but um, yeah, I'm thinking it's, it's interesting in a way for me because um, he's from a different generation. So, you know, his choices are different. Yeah. I remember uh, <laughs> when I was at school, when I did the modern dance education in Amsterdam before I did my master's, mm. uh, that he looked at some of the pieces that I made and, and he was like, oh, wow, oh, you're so talented. I mean, he's a very um, 
positive always when he's seeing work by no you're so talented it's so nice and blah, blah. but then he would suddenly go like but that movement it's it's a bit ugly why did you choose that you know <laughs> so he's more kind of for the yeah aesthetic it needs to be pretty in a way <laughs> and that's not necessarily um my kind of choices in, in what i'm looking for um and particularly for echo uh he found it very very difficult that he was not allowed to dance more because uh you know i i made the choreography i was um first playing around with another dancer in the studio because uh, obviously my father's living in sweden and i felt like i want to work with somebody to get some input not just that i'm standing and imagining um, so I worked with uh, this great Italian dancer, Manuel Ronda, uh, and he and I kind of got this thing out with the hands, because something about my father's hands has always been very uh, interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the starting point for the movements material that he does. Mm. And then I practiced it with my father when he arrived in Amsterdam. and. Uh, he learned the material and he we changed it obviously because there were some things that he wanted to do a bit differently and uh, then at a certain point he was like and okay so when do I dance <laughs> <laughs> well uh, no but this is it this is the dancing choreography it's like no but I want to dance <laughs> like mm. <Yeah. laughs> And uh, to be honest, I think he, for a very long time, he still felt like, oh, well, okay, this is a film that my daughter made, but I don't really know what people will think about it. Right. And then it, it actually it won the audience award at this uh, competition that I sent it into the 60 Seconds Dance. Yeah. And he was so amazed and he was like, wow, it won the audience prize. <laughs> so happy. He was even there to kind of be a part of the ceremony because I couldn't come mm -hmm. but uh but he was there and so he was like wow it's people are, are so positive about this film and it's so great and yeah so uh that was kind of interesting to see the way that he also learned from that in a way mm -hmm. and then I also uh after doing Echo I kind of thought like okay now that's finished that's done I worked with my father now we made this film it's a kind of uh it's there like you said Omari like it's a mm. moment in time that you kind of capture and we'll always have this film in a way you know yeah. you can always look back on this that uh when he maybe cannot dance anymore that he can look at this and send it to people like look this is me in this film or um, later on when he uh, hopefully that will take a long time but when he's not there anymore we have this film but um, I thought that, okay, that's, that's it now. I've worked with my father, fine. And then suddenly I had this new idea to work, uh, to, I just kind of saw him in, again, in an image in my mind with my um, mentor from my education. This was a few years later. Mm -hmm. And that's how Songs of the Underworld started because then uh, that film, started to kind of grow in my mind yeah uh, where he's also in and somehow he's just um he's just a very inspiring person in a way i mean he um he also has a very kind of how do you say that in english his face is really um well you, you can see a lot of emotions on his face he's yeah, always yeah. very Yes, yeah. it's very expensive. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously used to uh, playing at, in a very on a big stage. You know, he's a stage performer, mm. so I always kind of have to bring it back. Right. And he's always, I think, a little bit disappointed <laughs> that he can't go like the full hundred percent, like how he feels it. Yeah. But yeah, like like I said, I, I find him very expressive on the screen. Also, you kind of. Yeah, you see his emotions, you see his face is kind of very telling. Mm. So uh, that's still interesting to me. And yeah, now he's, uh, like I said, he's turned 88 uh, the day before yesterday. So not so long. Oh, happy mm. belated birthday, Dad. Yeah. Uh, 
and um, well, he's he's not so mobile anymore now, but um, he'll he'll keep uh, going for sure. <laughs> what what's your dad's name? Rolf Hepp. Rolf Hepp. Yeah. Hey Rolf, we love your work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's amazing. I'm really I'm really glad you brought up the fact that one of the things you that drew you to working with him was his express his expressive nature because that's actually um, something that I really love about all your films um, I mean traces which I I think is one of your more recent if not the most recent film yeah. that you've made um, what really touched me about that film was the expression and how expressive the male character in particular is because I think that's something that we don't always see in screen dance you know, um, there's almost this wall being built around whether to tell the story through our body as opposed to our face, as opposed to both. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's definitely a thread, another thread that I noticed throughout your work. Um, and I just, it's amazing because obviously it comes from that initial spark from your dad and maybe that's, I don't know, an unconscious or a conscious decision that that's something that you wanted to be present in more of your films? Yeah, yeah, yes, it's, uh, it's something that exactly what you were saying now, like how to tell the story through the body, through the face or both. Um, that's something that uh, I, I was thinking about also myself. After my modern dance education, I've been kind of thinking about it a lot because during my education, a lot of the time I remember being told like, no neutral face. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like all the time, what is a neutral face? I, yeah. I found it so hard to, um, to find this neutral face. Um, and, and I still don't know what it is, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I used to get told off as well. I used to rest my face, but then I'd look angry. So it's not resting, no muscles use face. And my <laughs> eyes have to be smizing, smiling in some way, look open and present, welcoming. They give you emotions and just like, but my, my whole face is closed, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I also, I still, I still don't know, to be honest, what, what they um, And I find myself... I mean, when I look at dancers, the people that really draw my attention are the people that that have this kind of stage presence. And that's also their face. I mean, that's also something in their face that they're just by nature maybe doing. Yeah. But I'm so confused by having to not do it and or maybe I was overdoing. I don't know. But um, yeah, so it's been an issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I think I think the face is just so so telling, and yeah, the the male dancer in traces is, is somebody who I also really was so drawn to because of his expressiveness and because of his face. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting point. Traces came from a, a live work as well, did it? Traces is one of the pieces that uh, came from that one of the films that I made that came from a live work initially. And it's also a live work that uh, was not mine. Mm. So uh, it's a choreographer called Jason Mabana. He's Belgian, but he also works a lot in Britain, I think. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and he made a piece for the Urban Contemporary Dance Department in Amsterdam, where I teach. It was uh, the end of the year performance. Okay. Um, and in this end of the year performance, well, I saw this piece and I was just so touched by it it was so beautiful mm. um and it it's not at all uh, i mean if you look at it's interesting actually if you can see the live recording of the piece and the film because they're they're they have things in common but they're, right. it's, it's not a recording of the piece mm -hmm. yeah of course definitely yeah because it's a lot of fragmentation a lot of jump cuts going on isn't there yeah and actually the whole point of how how it started was when I was looking at this piece that Jason made, uh, it was actually a piece for 10 people and they oh. were 
uh, standing next to each other on a line. It's called the last line. Okay. And uh, so you could see all 10 people when you, lo you looked at the piece. And then during the piece, they were also kind of turning like a wheel of time, more or less, uh, was kind of the association that I got from it. Uh, so these, these 10 people were turning around uh, and uh, they had a lot of duet work, obviously, which is part of the film. But uh, the standing on a line next to each other kind of triggered me in a way because I'd, I'd been working on this idea of a man and a woman uh, standing next to each other and where the man is somehow very uh, vulnerable in a way. And uh, there's something going on with him and the woman has to support him. Uh, so that was kind of an initial idea that I'd been thinking about. And then I saw this piece from Jason. I was like, oh, I love this. This connects to that idea. And I loved his movement material. Uh, so uh, I asked if, if he'd be interested in, in working with me, if, if we could make this happen into a film. And he couldn't be in Amsterdam. So he just said, well, that's absolutely fine with me. If you want to make that into a film, uh, just work with the dancers. Who are you thinking of? And so then I said the two dancers that I wanted to work with. And he said, I'll oh, go ahead. And uh, so we kind of took parts of the piece and filmed that together with this idea of them standing next to each other. Um, and that's kind of how it, how it happened. That's incredible. I mean, that's a pretty unique situation to be in, I think, because we, we've made pieces in the past that were um, a live performance made by a different choreographer. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, you know, a lot of challenges come up when you're transposing that kind of work to screen, but also the relationship between the director and the choreographer. Uh, because obviously you're also a choreographer yourself and there are certain moments that I'm sure you re-choreographed for screen. So um, what was that like? I mean, it sounds like he trusted you a lot, which is amazing. You don't always have that. It sounds like he sort of said, thank you for your, you know, acknowledgement of my work. Here it is. Please do what you will with it. But uh, that, that, to be honest, that was kind of a, a bit of how it was. And I felt really honored that he just kind of gave it to me in that sense. Yeah. And also very happy that he was very pleased with the results afterwards. Uh, and of course, I mean, it's not, uh, I always make sure to tell when I'm talking about traces or what, also in the credits of it, that I tell that it comes from this piece that he made, The Last mm. Line. Uh, but it's not The Last Line, the film, you know? Right. Uh, so, uh, so it's another film, but there's, there's something that, there's some of the movement material, definitely most of the movement material came from, from his piece and, uh, and definitely also some of the feeling that he worked with, with the dancers right. in the film, which coincided with my own kind of ideas of what I wanted to say at that moment with this film. And that's what makes Traces a perfect title, right? Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you pretty much traced over the, 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 the concept. Line. Yeah, the last line. Ooh. I'm curious to know about the, the actual, um, your actual process of making uh, itself, because um, screen dance in, has kind of got so many ways that people approach it. I think people come to screen dance from a lot of different places, you know, obviously choreographers and filmmakers, but also um, visual artists and installation artists and designers and kind of everyone sort of feeds into it from a different starting place. And I think with that approach comes uh, a million different approaches to actually making. Um, it would be interesting to know what your approach is. Yeah, there's something something uh, untangible somehow that I want to uh, put into image and movement. And then very, very often, I kind of need to start with the people that I'm going to work with. So uh, most of the time, actually, now I'm thinking back, I think, I think all of the time, yeah, I first have to have the people, um, I have to know who's going to be on screen, who's going to dance this, who's going to be uh, the character. So I can't just kind of think of an idea and have a 
um, a character in my mind, like, oh, the woman will do this or that, and the man or the old man or the boy or whatever. But it has to, I have to kind of see the person that will do this. And then, um, and then I'll work with those people in a studio first. Uh, we'll uh, make some movement material or we'll uh, somehow meet and work together. Um, then we, when we go into the shoot, I, uh, I often have kind of a, an elaborate plan of, of the different shots that I want to use. And I have ideas of how it should be filmed. And um, we kind of go through that shot list. Um, but I also really like to be able to uh, kind of improvise on the set. So that's something that I... I, well, personally, I always keep that opportunity open to kind of just go for something. If you suddenly see like, oh, wow, but that's amazing and that works great. And this, oh, the sunset or whatever. Um, but that also means that you have to work with, uh, you, that your collaborators also have to be okay with that. So my yeah. camera, so far, they've been amazing. They've been so uh, open to the moment. And actually a lot of the camera men that I worked with or camera women also had a dance background. So uh, they also kind of were a little bit accustomed to that way of working, I think, or uh, some more than others, obviously. Uh, but yeah, that, that's definitely a big part of my approach to be open in the moment uh, on the set and to uh, try things out also. Um, and then when I go into the edits, I, already have a clear idea in the kind of beginning state of when I'm thinking about the film of how I want to edit it. So some films, they're, they'll, like in Traces, for example, there's all these sharp, quick cuts from one yeah. thing to That was obviously something that I already knew beforehand that I was going to do. And in Songs of the Underworld, it's more smooth and ongoing. Um, so I also had that prepared of how I wanted to cut them. But then when I'm actually sitting uh, and doing the editing, um, I mean, that's still one part in a way, you know, I don't know who said that, but um, I really agree with it. You, you, you make a film three times because you first make it in your head and then you make it when you're filming it. But then when you're sitting down to edit, you, you're making it a third time because that's when you actually have the material that you filmed. And sometimes you see material and you're like, oh crap, I, I thought this would work, but it just really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so it sounds like you, uh, you like to direct mostly when you're, when you're filming, you, you work with a, a crew, you don't shoot yourself or, or do you sometimes? Yeah, no, I'm uh, a little bit uh, <clears throat> nervous around uh, camp. I mean, <laughs> nervous, but I, I, I worry that I will, oh God, I, I will put not record properly or, oh no, I forgot this or whatever, the technical parts of the camera, so to speak. Um, and I have that with computers also. I worry that I will then, you know, oh God, I have to teach classes via Zoom. How will I manage? But then actually it's not that difficult. So, you know, we've all done it now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but with, with uh, yeah, with making dance work, I think I really enjoy being kind of all the time looking over the shoulder of the cameraman running around behind him or her uh, or sometimes looking at a monitor but then yeah help directing and also letting the cameraman take a lot of responsibility of course of what, you know how to frame something um, i do think that film is a collaborative process um, and it's all about how we all can put the best of us into it mm. so i'm really so so grateful that there's been so many people that have uh, been wanting to work with me and to uh, help achieve, uh, yeah, to tell that story that I needed and wanted to tell. Mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, directing is definitely kind of my um, my role then on during the whole process. Yeah. Mm. 
And do you tend, because you were mentioning working with different cinematographers um, and different crew, do you ever work with the same people? Like, do you, have you found people that you tend to go back to or does it really depend on the project that you're working on? No, I go back to people a lot. And okay. I actually, I prefer working with people that I already know and that I've already worked with. Uh, and some projects will will be like, mm, maybe I should ask him for this and maybe I'll ask him for that. So it's not that I always keep one and the same person, yeah. but there's definitely like a pool of people that I keep coming back to. And that, that goes for, well, as you see with my father, but that also goes for other dancers as well. Celine, who was in- Yeah, I noticed she's in a number of your films. Yeah, she's yeah. also in Breathe and uh, she's also going to be in my next film. So, you know, there's- there are definitely people that keep coming back and uh, I love working with people that I already know and that I already have a good working relationship with because then you can also kind of let people, you know, like for example, with Songs of the Underworld, I worked with this cameraman, Chris Fawcett, who uh, also oh, yeah. was uh, the filmer for, uh, for the on-screen work for 2373. Uh, and I knew that apart from being an amazing Steadicam uh, operator, uh, I also knew that I really trusted his opinion. So, you know, then it's so great that you're on set together. And if you're not clear, if you think something like, oh, is this working? That you can just really be sure, like, okay, what do you think? And, you know, you can trust that opinion. And that's also with uh, some of the other uh, cameraman I've worked with it's also been like that you know it's I I do um, well I think if you choose to work with somebody it has to be somebody that you also really trust and can relate to for sure 100% um, fab so could you talk a little bit more about obviously we know that you work a lot in installation I don't know if you still are creating installation based work but sort of translating that to film is a huge challenge in itself, um, you know, replicating that experience on the screen. Um, and I know on that- On a single screen even. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so could you talk a little bit about the challenges with that and um, maybe just the experience of trying to replicate that experience for, for the screen? Yeah, I mean, replicating the experience of an installation to a single screen is not really something that I've done in a way. I think if I understand your question correctly, I think actually what I've been doing is um, more or less the other way around, but also right. not really. Well, because um, I, the last installation, well, it's, it wasn't an installation, but it was a performance with live dance and uh, video. Uh, and there was a correlation between the choreographed uh, dance on the screen and the choreographed dance that was happening live. Mm -hmm. that now, uh, the last piece I made, I think was about three or four years ago. Um, so then it's always very clear when I'm making a piece that involves both live dance and uh, a screen uh, somehow, mm. that those two things have to correlate, that they have to go together, that there's something about it that needs both. Um, and also when I then do an installation, of course, then there's an added element of people being able to walk around and make their own choices. Yeah. But still, uh, I'm taking then into consideration the live dance that is happening and what's happening on screen. On, of course, if you're making a, um, a performance with something happening on the screen or an installation with something happening on screens and live dance, it's not like a, like a film that you're looking at, a standalone film. This timing is very different. So, for example, also in some, uh, some of my installations, there, there were uh, minutes long of, of black, for example, because then I wanted to focus the uh, viewer on what was happening live in space. And right. then the moment that it comes back on screen uh, is a moment in time that you want the attention to go there. So it's all about sending the attention of the viewer which you do in a film also because but in a different way but in a okay. film you, because you're the way that you edit the way that that you work with the camera you're leading the eye of the viewer mm -hmm. they're not free to look where they want and uh, if you're making a 
a dance piece with video, whether it's an installation or performance, I think you're always you're also doing that. You're also kind of wanting the audience to pay attention to what's happening on the screen at this moment, and then to let that go and to look at what's happening live. I mean, the screen will always kind of be um, drawing the eye of the spectator. So you have to be very, very aware of that. As soon as you put something up on the screen, people tend to kind of look there and forget about the live dance, unless you uh, work with that. Mm. So, and that's what I found very interesting about it, actually, to kind of have that thing going back and forth, uh, which also meant that a lot of uh, the video material that was on the screen when I make installations or performances, they're very kind of slow and ongoing sometimes, so that you also kind of can lose interest in a way, <laughs> so yeah. that you can see what's going on live. Or like I said, I, I will just go black in, in between parts. That's what, how it was in 2373, for example. Right. So yeah, that's, um, um, yeah, that's how I've been doing it. But I, I think kind of the interesting thing for me was really about this, the sending the eye of the, of the viewer, how to kind of uh, try to have a little bit of control, even in a, in a dance piece, in a live dance piece, mm -hmm. that you're actually really, what do you want? Well, you can do that with lights also, for example, in a piece. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you're even finding now that um, my students especially obviously are now making a lot of, of split screen work, right? Because that's kind of the place we're in right now. with <laughs> Lots of um, Zoom influenced uh, media happening. And uh, what I found interesting about that, I was saying to, I've seen a few pieces now using uh, split screen in different ways. And it reminded me of when I watch live work, and for example, there's people in different parts of the stage. There's a solo over there, a trio over there. And so I'm free to kind of look choose. and choose what I look at. And I find that a lot of people are kind of doing more of that now in a way of splitting the screen up to give you more choice. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I actually enjoy the idea for a moment I'm given a choice. <laughs> and then I might have to watch it again to watch the left side. Yeah. Because maybe I paid more attention to one side or the other. But... Um, yeah, that is not a question at all. It was just an observation. But yeah. <laughs> I but don't know if you find it... that your students are doing more, more things like that. Are they doing lots of split screen stuff or anything with the... Are your students working now in uh, during these times? My students. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. Well, some of them have been. But um, my students, because I teach at the University of, of Arts in Amsterdam. Yeah. I teach I don't teach film. Uh, okay. I Film or dance film in kind of freelance on a freelance basis. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, during this period, what was very interesting was that my students, who are dance students, suddenly, uh, because they couldn't have their year performance, they had to make films. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Super exciting, and uh, yeah, I've also been uh, guiding them a little bit and you know helping them out with things. Um, and it was so exciting to see their work because it was also so very fresh. I mean, they they are not necessarily, some of them have already had some experience with film, but not all. Mm -hmm. so them, it was like the first time that they actually had a concept that they wanted to then put onto the screen. And uh, obviously that's, uh, that's really beautiful to be part of and to uh, be able to help them with, you know, navigating all these things that you have to take into consideration. And, you know, you see all these first time mistakes with the shadow in the mm. image. Yeah. You know, all these stuff that come out, but still the, um, the content and the rawness of their ideas. And that was beautiful. So I'm really, really proud of how, how they uh, turned this difficult period around to something good. Yeah, there's so much beautiful work being developed now. And even um, what the Screen Dance Journal have just released their new um, application for the next round of articles. And at the end of their statement, it says, all dance is now screen dance. Yeah. Right. And it's so funny, like how screen dancers come yeah. in these waves 
And sometimes it's quite popular and people are doing it. Like back in the 1990s, there was lots of stuff on the BBC and all that stuff. I mention it all the time. But um, when I started making, delving into screen dancing around 2010, 2011, there wasn't much going on at all, you know. And now in this time, every dance Exploded. student has been forced to become a cinematographer overnight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, so, it's, so, it's so fascinating because, yeah, it is a wonderful thing as well. But also there's such a big pressure now, you know, for... Um, I, I, I run a course uh, called Dance and Technology at the place, a London Contemporary Dance School here in, in the UK. And they it's a screen dance intensive and they have four weeks to make a piece of work. But within those four weeks, they learn about the exposure triangle and rule of thirds. Storyboarding. And, but four weeks is so intense. Four weeks, one hour each week. It's like there is not, there's not enough time. For, <laughs> but that's that. But that's where every course is having to do that. That's a specific, you know, dance and technology course. But imagine the touring and the the young people schemes that would usually tour having to make those dance on film stuff now. It's um. It's, it's weirdly amazing. Yeah. And I wonder what happens as things start to unlock a little bit now, whether people will just... Um, go back to their yeah, usual forget ways. That, not or worry about that information and just go straight back to live. Or would there be more screens now yeah. within our yeah. spaces? Yeah, because I think a lot... Of, I mean, some people don't want to create... I and mean, that's what we had now also. Yeah. There yeah. something everybody wants to do, even though we are so uh, passionate about it. Yeah. But, but uh, but there were also some people who kind of discovered it suddenly that they were like, oh, wow, that's and, you know, so that's fascinating and really nice to, to be part of uh, that kind of development suddenly. But I'm also very curious, very curious. To see what happens next. Yes. Nice. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for your time, Nicola. This has been a really great conversation. Um, awesome. We always ask, um, just for our listeners and everyone out there, if you could share um, maybe what's coming up next or how we can follow your work, because it would be great to um, stay tuned for what you have coming up. Sure, sure. You know, you can find me on Instagram. I'm uh, Nicola Hepfilm, or on Facebook, if you just look for my name. Um, I also have, my all my films are on my Vimeo channel. Um, so that's also a place. Um, and yeah, like I said, well, Reset's already out, Tabula Rasa will be coming out uh, in the coming uh, weeks soon. Um, and well, I just recently received a, um, a honorary um, production grant from Dance Films Association in New York. Oh, wow, yes, amazing, that is awesome. Project, which I'm so, so excited about that I've been uh, <laughs> I've been actually I've been trying to make it for years already right. so I don't even want to count the years but many years <laughs> and um, it's uh, it's a film that uh, will involve shooting in Sweden which I'm also looking forward to amazing there's a lot of stuff going on and uh, the dancer in this film is uh, Celine Mosa who I also worked with before in both Breathe and Songs of the Underworld. So I'm super happy to have her on board. And she's been with me on this ever since we started with this idea. So, you know, she's waiting for it for she years. Excited. <laughs> I still feel like, oh, when we're finally standing there on set. So we'll, we'll see, it's coming up. Fabulous, well, looking forward to it. Uh, Nicola, thank you so much for joining us. It's been awesome. We wanted to chat to you for so long and it's been so nice to catch up. So yeah, thank you once again for joining us at this time. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Thanks. And hopefully it won't be too long before we're back in Amsterdam uh, seeing you <laughs> reuniting. But um, stay safe and well and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. <laughs> Thanks. Ciao. Bye.